passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey everybody, it's John Pollock and Wei Ting with a special post-news update coming off yet another round of WWE cuts. This series featuring several notable performers. They announced on Thursday morning the releases of Braun Strowman, Aleister Black, Lana, Murphy, Ruby Riot, and Santana Garrett. So this would um, certainly not be the highest number uh, but in terms of stature, uh, I think the most surprising one, of course, being Braun Strowman, who is just coming off of a championship program uh, that culminated with the Bobby Lashley-Drew McIntyre match several weeks ago at Backlash, um, and a guy that had signed a four-year extension back in 2019. So there, there's a lot to look at these releases, and I think the biggest question everyone is asking is, what are they slashing all of these costs for um, when you're looking at someone with Braun Strowman, who is hardly someone you're looking at as just an extra part that we're not coming up with ideas for. Raw is very thin on that main event level. So that to me is as much a statement that you have to be looking at what is the overall game that's being played, what is the strategy in play, and we're left with those questions. Absolutely. It's a move that certainly makes you ask some of these bigger questions, because I don't think this is just simply a case of spring cleaning. You know, um, it's it, we went through that. I mean, this is went through that. Yep. We have gone through several successive ones when you include the cuts behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. And these are these are some significant costs that they are alleviating that. I mean, you have to be looking at like, what is what is the end goal here as we are cutting all of these costs, we are uh, putting several sectors of the company under one umbrella, eliminating redundancy. Like there, it feels on the surface that there is there is a larger strategy in play. So I guess the biggest speculation is, you know, something maybe in regards to a possible sale. Um, it feels really early to maybe be able to say anything about that definitively. But nonetheless, you know, this particular crop of people are very interesting. In particular, Braun Strowman, who, you know, you you would assume they would have some plans for. He is one of their high-ranking, I would say, you know, main eventers at this point. Former champion, somebody you can constantly throw into any sort of show, any sort of main event, and have it be a justifiable, you know, reason to yeah, promote uh, even a pay-per-view. Uh, but also, Aleister Black is really interesting as well. All those vignettes and those weeks leading up to it, a lot of production put into those. So something setting up an imminent return that he already shot an angle for with Big E. And uh, the sudden you know, vanishing of all of that might suggest to you that this was a really abrupt decision. 
Yeah, I mean, had this happened two months ago, Alistair Black would not have surprised me in the least. Um, you know, someone that you know I I look at as you know a tremendous talent and had a great NXT run, uh, but the move up to the main roster has hardly been that. I mean, he had the tag team with Ricochet, which was a fine introduction when they brought up a, a series of NXT talents. And at one point, I mean, Alistair Black was being pegged for big things. I mean, when they were looking for a big opponent for Brock Lesnar, like I had been told, like his name was in the mix. They ultimately went with Drew McIntyre. That is not a decision I think you can second guess. Drew McIntyre has been a home run for the company over this past year plus in that main event role. Uh, but for Aleister Black, I mean, it's been like he has largely just been shelved. Um, I... The fact that he had just been brought back to television, that you had gone into to the extent of those vignettes you mentioned, way, yeah, it feels very cold now to just drop this big E feud that you had just literally started. Um, I spoke at, I spoke with one source at the company who I did ask, like, was Alistair Black a surprise? And this person had told me no, and that his return did not go smoothly. So you can take that for what you will, um, but. I think he I think he's a great talent. So, I mean, for, for all of these performers, you look at Braun Strowman and he signed that extension in the summer of 2019. Lana as well had signed a big extension the same year in November of 2019. And what's going on in 2019? I mean, AEW is in its in its infancy. And that was when a lot of these big contracts were being handed out. Lana even tweeted at the time, I just signed a multi-million dollar deal with WWE. So I don't know the contracts of all these people, but with Strowman and Lana, you're probably talking about significant figures that were attached to their deals, which if you're a WWE performer now and you're in that upper echelon, I mean, with these big contracts, I mean, also comes with a bit of a degree of paranoia with it. I think Braun Strowman is going to scare a lot of guys that if they would cut Braun Strowman, and maybe there's more to the story with Braun that we're not uh, aware of yet, just an hour after this news. But, you know, that, that number on your contract, it does become one that jumps off the page when this company is clearly in a mode of getting costs down. Uh, I'm sure that's a reality of several, you know, industries anywhere. Um, uh, and ultimately I think a move like this really shows that the company can move on without most of its roster. Everybody would be expendable. And that goes for people perhaps in the back as well as people in front of the camera. So it's, uh, not an easy feeling at all. I'm sure to live with. Um, but again, it's business, isn't it? The other ones, uh, Murphy, I mean, he had the big program with the Mysterios, but then, I mean, after that Rollins program, he was pretty much discarded. He had that one brief appearance earlier this year. But, I mean, that that's one that I don't think you can be too surprised by. Uh, Ruby Riot was signed in late 2016 and then called up within a year with the Riot Squad. And, I mean, had largely just been part of this tag division after the feud and then reunion with Liv Morgan. Uh, I, I don't think they had really capitalized on these two in any meaningful way. And they had just become another tag team in what is a very thin women's tag division um, that again, to these cuts, I mean, this really takes an already thin division on the raw side and eliminates two teams in Lana and Naomi and Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. To be quite honest with you, I don't know if it's the roster depth that is their issue as much as it is creative. 
Like that's to me has been the bigger issue this entire time. You know, they could have all the best talent in the wrestling industry. And if you put them on some of these shows in, in these tag divisions, which, you know, frankly on either side and other of either gender, you know, have not really, really received the creative push that I think they've been deserving of. So I don't know if it really would have been helped. And at this point, unfortunately they just, I think Ruby Wright is a big mistake. Um, several of these people are a big mistake to let go, but you know, Ruby Wright, I can't imagine is, has been, com- would be commanding that big, big of a contract that, you know, you would feel that, you know, her release would, would be able to, to, to lose it up so much. But I just think you, you know, these types of veterans, um, like her are with, with a very different look that they can offer to those divisions. Um, I think that's a big loss. And then you have Santana Garrett who had, uh, Signed in 2019. She had made uh, NXT appearances for years uh, before she had been signed. And then, you know, it was quietly being used on like main event and stuff last year. Uh, but I I don't think we've even seen her since the Women's Royal Rumble this year. So that that rounds out the cuts. And what obviously um, we'll add this. Alistair Black did tweet this out. He has changed his Twitter handle to uh, uh, to the name to Tommy N now. So reflecting uh, what he will probably revert to. I'm gathering my thoughts as this was a complete left field for me, as obviously we just started the Dark Father character, but this was it. Thank you so much, WWE Universe, for allowing me to create and give you small bits of myself. So it sounds like he completely stunned by this news, and given the angle he had just kicked off, I can understand that this was very surprising. I'm sure he would have a different attitude if it had been uh, prior to these vignettes starting, but it seemed that they, they had gone through these months where we had not had any involvement of black on programming. And then suddenly not just back on TV, but in a, a fairly prominent program with, with Big E that was just about to kick off. So let's talk about the future. Where do you see these talents ending up? It's, it becomes tough. I think that AEW, what changes the equation is Rampage, and I think they're still going to be in a mindset of expanding. So I don't – if this was – if they did not have that third hour coming, I think you would certainly look at AEW having to sit down and be realistic about how many people can we bring in. But I think the attitude is probably going to be we're expanding and we're going to be a bit more loose with, with – uh, going out and throwing money out there. So I could see Strowman's an interesting one. I don't know if Strowman is a great fit for them. And with Braun Strowman, if you go back, he was on Lillian Garcia's podcast several months ago. And he had said that he will never wrestle for anyone except WWE and Vince McMahon. Now that could totally change when suddenly this is presented with you. And do you want to change? Well, does he want to continue in pro wrestling? Like, this is a guy that did not have a background before WWE. He came from a different world and was suddenly making big money in pro wrestling. And I do not think he is going to get the kind of money he was making in WWE anywhere else. So he, to me, he is not a guarantee. I am sure he is going to get offers. But what is what is his interest in continuing in pro wrestling and probably doing it at a, at a lesser rate? Oh, for sure. I would imagine that to be the case for everybody on this. Uh, well, in particular, the bigger names, but certainly him. It's, you know, it it becomes a, it, this story has been, I think, for a little while now, not whether or not AEW could use them, but whether or not AEW has the room 
they don't even have the room for the talent that they have. And they haven't really even made any room for the crop that was just recently released this, you know, a few weeks ago. So um, I'm sure they are negotiating some sort of deal to bring some of that crop in. And now you have this other, uh, you know, roster to select from. Of the names that are listed, obviously, you have to look at Lana as, you know, somebody who I'm sure Miro is immediately texting Tony Khan, you know, trying to get that done. Uh, but at the amount of money that she was likely making in the WWE, I don't think so. Not a chance. Um, and she, you know, she was also Lana, one that w- when that whole third party deal went down, I mean, you saw those reports that like Lana stood to make a ton there that I mean, that is a silver lining to this, that that opens up a whole area of revenue for her. But without the TV, exposure. without the TV exposure, that's right. So, I mean, that's, you know, that is part of the the entire thing is how much impact is being an active on-screen performer for WWE. And I do want to say with Lana that there are there are going to be people that, um, you know, criticize her work and such. But this is also somebody that worked extremely hard, especially over this last year during the pandemic, uh, pretty much up, uprooting and going to Florida to to work, to train throughout the past year. I think they're now living in Florida uh, because they did have a home in Nashville. Um, they might actually there, have both, but nonetheless... There's no- there's no doubt what an incredible talent she is. We we all saw it when she made her debut with Rusev. I just don't think her talents are in ring as a full-time performer. The occasional match, yeah, sure, she's done a great job of getting herself up to that level. But her but them deciding to push her as a full-time performer, I thought was, you know, a, a not 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 the best use of her abilities and so you know you would hope that if she does continue her role in the the industry whether it be with AEW or maybe in another company that we can see her kind of return to form as a tremendous promo tremendous presence uh and you know maybe some sort of leader of a of a stable or at the very least um you know be somebody who can elevate uh talents who really can't might not be able to speak for themselves I see AEW. I think like Ty Conti is going to open up a lot of eyes that someone that doesn't flourish in the WWE system, um, if there is a glimpse of potential, that they're at least going to give someone a look. Maybe it doesn't mean signing them up to a multi year contract immediately, but at least having an interest uh, to see where she goes. And I would just say, given, given how hard she has focused on this, like I do see her pursuing this but that it's always the question when step one for your career in the industry is in wwe you don't have the coming up through the independence behind you where it's more of a natural transition that when wwe is over okay i'm just on to the next set of, of bookings like lana i would see uh continuing here but um there, there's a room for her in any company that you would want to work in whether or not they can meet her demands uh, monetarily that's another question uh, but, you know, as far as in-ring, there is no shortage of people that I think AEW could pick up to fit in their their style. I mean, you look at Murphy, he is a shoe-in, really a shoe-in anywhere. He's somebody who I think would be able to flourish uh, in any of the companies that are out there, whether it be New Japan or, you know, Ring of Honor or Impact. Or I think a lot of people would probably want to see him in AEW. Um, maybe New Japan, New Japan needs uh, a shot of new blood in in its scene and once once traveling restrictions are relieved i i would be aggressively going for alistair black 
if I'm New Japan. Definitely. Um, and yeah. I'm sure that would probably be something that he would he would want as well. I see that being a real natural fit. Murphy as well. Like I think Murphy could have like a great post WWE run um, to go out there. And again, like those are the options. I think New Japan, granted, they might be limited right now with resources, but man, that that talent roster does need a, an injection of something big. And Alistair Black could be that. I would say for this character he was crafting, I think Impact would be a great outlet for that. Whereas AEW, it might it just might be difficult based on on available screen time to get on every week, especially for uh, the character side of things. But I think Black is going to have is just going to be inundated with offers. What does this mean for Zelina Vega? That's a great question. She was reportedly at the Performance Center several weeks ago. And what does that mean? Um, that was another curious aspect to this. Like if, if in fact the WWE and Zelina Vega were working on uh, some kind of return, it would make this an even more curious decision. Um, but again, may have come down to just a simple financial reality where, you know, things like storylines that are in motion or uh, relationships or like any of this stuff that's all cast aside it's hey we've got to meet a number and these people fit the algorithm that gets us to that number that's kind of how cold this becomes it's business john that's it and i mean that that is where we are so uh those are the six cuts today and i guess that is about it and Presumably all of them with 90-day no-compete clauses, so this will not be able to benefit Impact's Slammiversary promotional material. Oh, man. Damn. Are you sure? Maybe they could just, like, add to Meditin, you know, who's been in that company thus far? No. Well, they can, have, they can have their pay-per-view commercial ready for uh, Bound for Glory, and, and then maybe we can, we can uh, update and have a, new, a brand new pay-per-view cycle where this is a... Uh, the company that has definitely been uh, the most aggressive when it comes to benefiting off of the WWE's uh, releases, it has been Impact Wrestling that has found a business plan out of it. Yeah, and I'm sure several will benefit uh, coming off of this one, too. Um, if it, it would be in the interest of all the other promotions that are out there to try to tease some, you know, uh, upcoming signings. Um, just before we go, just uh, a quick note that we have um, the number in for Friday Night Dynamite from this past weekend, and it w was not great. They were down to 526,000 viewers, a .20 in the demo. Uh, they did 109,500 in Canada, uh, which was actually better than I anticipated it being in Canada. Uh, but the U.S. number, not not great. I think that this this Friday has a better lineup, and you're also coming out of a really well-received pay-per-view, so I would expect this Friday to do a little better, but long-term way... condition the audience, you know, the week prior that this show will be on Fridays. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the struggle, is will this time slot work um, once it's regularly established come Rampage? It's going to be a great question, especially, you know, after the pandemic, where I think more and more people are going to relish the opportunity to go out and stay out on a Friday night, uh, in particular in the Prime demo. Um, but... I guess what choice do they really have? I think it's worth at least taking a stab at ten to you know the 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 uh, the, the fallout from uh, SmackDown as a lead-in. Um, do you have any indication of like how many people might have crossed over from SmackDown to Dynamite this week? That we don't know, and that's uh, like that that's hard to to see like what the 
what the trickle over effect would be. Like I, I would see like if we happen to get a uh, a quarter hour breakdown, it would be very interesting to see what the first quarter of Dynamite did. And if there was a big surge of people and then a tune out by the second quarter, I think that would give an indication of some that would be checking into the product and then maybe falling out. But I mean, how many did they pick up? And maybe they saw this lively crowd. It's like, wow, I'm going to stick with this. Um, it's interesting because that is the hope here is that you can siphon off some of that SmackDown viewership on Fridays. If you're AEW, what do you think would be a, a number you'd be happy with this Friday? For this Friday? Um, I don't know the schedule in terms of what their sports competition is, but I would certainly be hoping that you could top this, um, that you could do. Like, I'm not expecting Wednesday night numbers that they can replicate on, on Fridays, even when Rampage begins beyond maybe that first week novelty. Um, so, like, I, I would say, I mean, here here's the look at this like this is not a great number um the fact they did a 0.20 in the demo and nxt last week did a 0.13 in their normal time slot unopposed um that's still something the fact that they are mm -hmm. still doing a higher demo figure than nxt is right now which had finn balor and carrying cross it wasn't even some throwaway episode of nxt it was a big hyped up episode uh so i would say if you can you would hopefully swell this audience and the demo goes up somewhat, but I am, I am sure that they also do have the limitations of the NBA playoffs, which is taking a chunk out of all wrestling. Uh, but yeah, I would, you would hope that does the buzz from the pay-per-view extend to a Friday uh, and the follow-up. And a lot of those um, videos of just like the crowd, I I wonder if I overvalue how important that is of just of a viewing experience, the novelty of having crowds back for an AEW product that is so interactive with its audience through the entrances and the liveliness of those crowds that that's an appealing factor too, which we didn't know going into Friday that would be the case. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, I think this Friday will do better. Certainly, um, maybe by a bigger, bigger margin than may, people might expect, uh, just simply coming off of the buzz of and the conversation off of double or nothing. But in either case, you know, this is a temporary move for the company. Hopefully doesn't extend into into a third week. Um, and I think when Rampage does come along, it'll be different. They'll promote it a, a whole lot harder than I think they have Dynamite. Certainly. The shows will only be one hour and people will eventually get into a groove where they'll recognize, oh, OK, 10 o'clock Friday, I'm going to be there. They haven't done that for these ones. Okay, that's going to wrap up our post-news update. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, we will be back uh, if there is more news uh, later on this week. And then Friday night, we are live with Rewind to SmackDown at midnight Eastern. We'll be live at 12.15, just after midnight, with reviews of both SmackDown and Dynamite. And a heads up that we have just posted our interview with Brian Fogel, the Academy Award-winning director uh, of Icarus, who has just put out his latest documentary, The Dissident, chatting about the case around the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. And it's a great chat. I thought it was uh, really in-depth in terms of the making of the film, some very interesting details, creative choices that they made, including how they had access to the audio of what went on in the consulate and made the creative decision not to include it in the documentary. I found that to be a fascinating answer. As well, uh, Brian talks about, about some of the struggles he's had trying to get this movie to be picked up. And we're talking about a man who won the Academy Award for Best Documentary for Icarus um, that was a streaming 
film on Netflix that is probably still at the top of many people's recommendations. So the fact that he had difficulty getting this one picked up um, you is very interesting, especially considering the subject matter. So I really love this chat. It was a great opportunity to pick the brain of a, you know, elite level creative. So hope you guys enjoy it. All of that is up at postwrestling.com, youtube.com slash postwrestling. For Wei Ting, I am John Pollock, and thank you for tuning in.